From Bureaucracy's Basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to file reports, make recommendations, and survive on water that drips from the boiler pipes in the back rooms and falls into our open mouths as we sleep on a bed of old dot matrix printer paper. One day, maybe, we'll escape from the subterranean hell that is this basement, but until that day comes, the city is not going to improve itself. So here we stay, improving things. This meeting is now in session. Hello. Oh, yeah. Hey, whoa. Yes, that's you. How are you doing this evening? I just, I, I you know, I, I ate some mold off the wall and it, it's kind of, it's kind of messing with me. In a good way or a bad way? I, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, the, the room seems a lot larger. It seems to have expanded, but then it contracts again. It's like the walls are kind of breathing or something. I think I'm melding with the, uh, the fungal matrix. Um, I think it, it's, it's down here. Because really? I haven't touched the mold and uh, the walls are doing that for me too. I think that's just the way things are down here now. Oh, okay. So it's just mold. Just, it's just tasty mold then. Yep. Yep. Oh, probably. great. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to have some more. Because uh, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, little, a little hungry. Sure. Yeah. If you don't, yeah. yeah. If you don't mind, save me some. I might have some later. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a sandwich I got from the vending machine, but I, it's got to be about ten years old. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's back when they could make a sandwich. They can't. They really, really could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just you hit that thing with a hammer, and you know, it just the hammer bounces right off. I mean, those things were made to last. Yeah. You know, 10 years ago, they could still make sandwiches with organ meat, but they won't do that now. Political correctness has killed the organ meat human consumption industry. Yep. Yeah. I suppose I, I suppose organ meat is canceled now. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, um, I suppose uh, you know, we've got this meeting going on. Should we, uh, should we take attendance? I think we should. All right. Um, you know, I'm feeling good about uh, tonight's attendance. Uh, I think I've I've managed to to nail the, the names. Um, so okay, so you are Aiden Morgan. No, I'm pretty sure I'm not. No, or yeah. I mean, I have you. I have I have someone here down as Aiden Morgan, and uh, I don't think it's me. So I mean, okay, it could. Well, be. well what's the other name you have? Paul Deschen. Okay. Maybe what you need to do is like, just like reverse those letters one for one. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, okay. So in that case, you would be Paul Deschen and I'm Aiden Morgan. That sounds right. All right. I'm going to mark us down as present accounted for. And uh, I guess I'm living under my, uh, my new identity as Aiden Morgan now. Enjoy. All yeah. right. Now you want to pay back those student loans. <laughs> Suckers. And but and and you won't have to pay back those Columbia Record and Tape Club loans. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh I, I feel like I, now I feel like I stole that Lionel Richie collection. <laughs> you you probably you probably did. Yeah. Uh, they're gonna hound you to the ends of the earth for that. You won't be collection. You you won't be dancing on the ceiling when they catch up with you. <laughs> They'll be like, "Hello." That's that's the only thing I remember from Little Richie right now. All that should be remembered. <laughs> uh, you're three times a criminal. Apparently, oh. they sound like Bane. Bane sings the hits of Lionel Richie. <laughs> oh, what a feeling! My, my bane is not that great, but you get the idea. No, your bane is pretty good. Really? Oh, that's a thing. Thank you for saying so. Yeah, just, just you, know, you just need to put your mask on and then uh, yeah. you know, flatten the sound. <laughs> uh, karaoke bane. Anywho, yeah. what, 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 should, what should we discuss for this meeting? What's on, what's on the agenda? Well, heck, there's been another council meeting. Oh, heck, another one? Yeah. Uh, we're on the new schedule, so the 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 new the uh, you know, the new schedule for 2021 is all council meetings all the time. These these heckin' guys, these heckin' people, and their heckin' meetings. 
Yeah, we are getting uh, a council meeting every other week, basically. And wow. in between, there are executive committee meetings and planning commission meetings. So there, you, you, the, the important meetings never let up anymore. So, uh, yeah, this one was, um, as, as you can expect, uh, it was important. Although, you know, with these more frequent meetings, the meetings are actually shorter, which is nice. Right. This one uh, still managed to come in at 409 pages, the agenda. But a lot of that was, um, there were a lot of delegations speaking on the 56 Angus Crescent uh, heritage designation. That is the Bagshaw residence. Now, uh-huh. I don't know if you remember, but uh, the Bagshaw residence is a home in the Crescent's neighborhood. It is a craftsman style home. Uh, and it was purchased for, for a song by Crawford Homes. And then they announced their intention to demolish it. And uh, unfortunately for Crawford, the house was on the heritage holding list. Right. Which is now, I think, just called the heritage list. I think they took the word holding out. And when council, um, uh, if you're going to like try to demolish a home on the heritage list, it goes to council and they get a chance to declare it at a heritage product, uh, declare it a heritage property. This is something that for 10 years, council did not try to do at all. And uh, this would be the second house that council had decided over the objections of the current owner to declare it a heritage property. The other one is the cook house. And that will mm-hmm. be at a, the cook house is actually coming up at a special meeting uh, this week at uh, planning commission, I do believe. But anyways, I digress. Mm. Um, the uh, Bankshaw residence council said, yes, we are going to turn this into a heritage property but uh, the homeowners objected to this. And when it came time to do the bylaw, they opted to send the Bagshaw residence up to the Provincial Heritage Review Board. For, and so basically appeal to the province. And what was at issue is, is the house in such bad condition that it cannot be saved? And the homeowner said, this place is disgusting. It's got mold. It's got the broken basement. It's the things are falling down. The wallpaper is falling off. They've got pictures that they provided council, and it was a pretty disgusting house. On mm. the, uh, there's a room full of yellow wallpaper, and there's a woman creeping along the. Okay, yeah, all, yep. all of it. Yep. Yep. Twins playing ball in the hallway. Very the- nice. Mm-hmm. That's. I. I think that's a plus. I mean, you can play with them forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Yep. There's a photo where like Councillor Hawkins was like, is this mold? And they were like, that's a black and white picture. That's blood leaking from the. <laughs> so it was clear that this is a problematic house if you want to actually live in it and not get your soul sucked down to hell. Right. But to the heritage people, uh, it still had heritage value. It was still pretty on the outside. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you can always get an exorcism. So. Right and some new paint, and get the basement jacked up. So uh, it went to the Heritage uh, Review Board, uh, the provinces, and they agreed with the homeowner. They actually did a tour of the inside, um, and uh, two out of three of them survived. The, uh, Very nice. Yeah, one is, one is now uh, in therapy for a while. This seems like a great record for people touring heritage homes in this city, though. Yeah, not making anyway. everybody is everybody who toured it is fine. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe they have their own problems, but it's not related to the house. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, so yeah, they said, look, the house is really it's beyond repair. And if you did say, like, the basement is one of the things, uh, the floors are all wonky and things are shifting and if you tried to lift it there's enough like water damage to uh the wood that you could risk like the house caving in kind of thing so um yeah they recommended against the heritage designation and council then you know agreed because at no point, like council, only uh, Councillor Fendura actually had toured the interior of the house. And he came out and was like, just he had the ghiblies. He was like, ghibli, ghibli. <laughs> and um, yeah, so he said, absolutely, this place has to get torn down. Uh, and they were going to let other councillors in to tour the place. But then an engineer had, had said, 
yeah, you can't bring more people into the house. <laughs> so uh, that should have been a tip off. Yeah. It took them until the Heritage Review Board had like taken a look. So yeah, the Bagshaw residents did not get heritage uh, 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 status. Uh, that made the Heritage P, Heritage Regina, Jackie Schmidt, um, Jeannie Ma, a nearby resident, they were quite upset about this. They were, they're convinced that the house could be restored uh, and that money... One of the things Jackie Schmidt said that was interesting is that a heritage designation should just be on whether the house is heritage worthy or not. Mm -hmm. And the cost of rehabilitating the house should not be part of the heritage designation. So that was her objection. I think it was, I think it was sound that the cost to restore the building is part of another discussion, but whether it has heritage value should be the first discussion and it shouldn't be concerned with, you know, what state the place is in. Uh, Administration says they are working on a comprehensive review of our heritage policies. We're always reviewing our policies. Uh, We should be getting a report back on that soon. And in addition to that, uh, the provincial review board, they'd actually weighed in on this at the start of this and they said you can't tear down more houses in crescents crescents is starting to lose its crescental character Ooh, crescental yeah and so it's suffer- you say it's suffering from a crescental oblation yes yeah very good. very good yeah and uh they they reasserted that that the crescents you can't keep just letting house after house after house get torn down because there's a heritage value to a neighborhood beyond just each single building Right. I think there's an understanding that, you know, there are only a few neighborhoods left in Regina that preserve uh, architecture from our turn of the century. And as a result, like we're losing so much of the crescents. If you've gone through it over the last five years, you can watch these buildings come down and get replaced with some pretty awful buildings, especially if you go just to the south of the crescents, to the streets that uh, jet off. Right. Yeah. But there are a couple like really god awful homes that have been built in the Crescents. And if, yeah, if a house is not on the heritage uh, preservation list, then you can just tear it down and put anything up that you want. There's no, um, nothing to stop you. So the Heritage Review Board renewed a call for a, uh, a heritage district for the Crescents and a template that can be applied to other parts of the city where this is needed that would impose architectural guidelines on any infill that gets made and more of a uh, uh, guidelines on what, you know, when a house needs to be torn down. Uh, Council didn't move on this. So who knows when we're going to see a heritage district imposed on the Crescents. Uh, Typically these things, when you include like the public consultation can take years to get from the mm-hmm. to the completions to policy stage. And so we could lose a ton of houses in that time. So I was disappointed that there was no motion made at council to start reviewing this, but here we are. So that's it. Bagshaw residence is coming down. Some nice words were said about heritage, but another heritage building bites the nuts. Mm. Oh, well. Uh, so anyways, we are on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. Uh, I should I should also mention um, now now that we're paused for station identification, um, CJTR is accepting new shows and podcast applications. Get out! Are you aware of this? No, it's true. Um, lots of people don't believe me when I tell them this, but uh, it's true. The submission deadline is Friday, February nineteenth, so not too much time left, folks. Uh, CJTR programming committee is interested in hearing your unique ideas, including ones that explore. Diverse perspectives on identities of local people, programs produced in languages other than English and French, creative approaches to audio production and broadcasting, and underheard music of all kinds. Um, And right now, because of the constraints of COVID-19, they're only uh, accepting applications from those who can produce at home until further notice. So, but if you're interested, visit cjtr.ca slash volunteer, read the full submission guidelines. And uh, if you have an idea, people go for it because CJTR is a wonderful place to uh, try out ideas, uh, have some fun, uh, stretch your wings for creatively as it were. So there you go. That'd be great. Yeah. More shows is better. Yeah. I, I, by the way, I hope I did not step on your on an innovative revenue tool idea there. 
Uh, an innovative revenue tool. Yeah. Oh, to like make a new show? Yeah. We could monetize? No. Hadn't even yeah. thought. All right. Yeah. Well, darn, I should have thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there was one other item on this council meeting that I thought we should talk about because it's something we talked about before and it's temporary downtown surface parking lot review. Yes. Uh, we've, uh, as I said, we've mentioned this before. There was a report that came back from administration saying, we need guidelines. You counselors keep approving temporary downtown surface parking lots. So we want guidelines on what to do the next time you say yes to this. Because famously, they recently approved a one-year uh, allowance for a temporary surface parking lot at the site of the former Capitol Point hole. Before that, they approved one on Lauren Street. And before that, they approved one on Hamilton Street. So we've actually approved more temporary surface parking downtown than we have approved new buildings downtown. Which, congratulations. Good work, everybody. <laughs> uh, and out of this report, it came out that 38.8% of our downtown is temporary, or it's not temporary, 38.8% of our downtown is surface parking lot. And when you add in uh, the structured parking downtown, it's like 47% of our downtown is parking. So the reason our downtown may not be so vibrant is because there is not a lot of downtown. You know. It belongs to cars, not to people. It really does. So this report came forward and uh, well, I thought we could start by listening to what Councillor Hawkins had to say about this report. Um, administration had suggested that there was some confusion about what they were suggesting with this report. They were saying that they were not trying to make it easier to approve surface parking. They were merely trying to provide guidelines for if that happens. But uh, Councillor Hawkins uh, had, some, had some words on that. Mm, let's hear it. I'm... I'm opposed, completely opposed uh, to the recommendation that's being brought before council. I want to say this at the outset. There's no confusion here in my mind. We need more parking like we need another minus 40 degree uh, morning. We have here a system that works perfectly well. It says no more parking in our zoning bylaw and downtown plan. Uh, it accomplishes our objective. It states it clearly. It's clear for developers and everyone else to see. There is an escape hatch through contract zone applications, but we've only used that a couple of times in the last uh, nine years, and that's the way it should be. Make no mistake, what is being proposed here is a regulatory system which will inevitably permit more temporary downtown parking lots. This is a one area in which we don't need much flexibility of decision-making. If there is an urgent need for a downtown parking lot, the proper, the proper course is the one we just followed to bring it to Board's Council for a contract zone application and hear what that urgent need. If we approve this, we'll allow land speculators to purchase land downtown, sit on it uh, using parking revenue, if there is any, to pay for the mortgage on that land. This is exactly what we don't need uh, downtown. Um, the, uh, the report sets out survey opinion in respect to this. I'm a little surprised at the administration's recommendation given the survey opinion. It's absolutely clear from the RDBD bid uh, survey done that 80% of uh, people surveyed uh, opposed it. The focus groups opposed it. Um, in fact, the only people that appear to have supported it were a handful of developers in the group that the administration uh, put forward. Um, the, uh, uh, I said earlier, and I'll say it again, temporary parking risks becoming permanent parking. We've seen examples of that. And finally, um, this is not timely. I mean, what is the rush on this? Uh, we've got 48%, 46.7% of parking downtown. We've got almost no cars because of COVID looking for parking. We've got a report coming through uh, in Q221. If, as the administration suggests, what we need is guidelines, they should tell us what those guidelines are in that report. 
not ask us to buy uh, to buy a, a report that's devoid of guideline at this time. At this time, so again, finally, this report will increase applications for temporary parking. That's exactly what we don't need downtown. We have a blight of surface parking in the downtown area. I will oppose this in favor of the status quo. That's Councillor Hawkins. Well said. Well said, Councillor Hawkins. Yeah. So when that speech was given, I was like, that's it. Who, who can stand up to a full onslaught of the hawk when he's been unleashed against Who durst? Yeah. Yes. So that was it. This, this report is dead, dead in the water. But then the next person to stand up was Councillor Stevens. And uh, <laughs> Councillor Stevens had some suggestions. And uh, I found, uh, well, I thought we could um, reenact. I took notes as Councillor Stevens was speaking. And I thought we could uh, reenact what happened as I was like live tweeting this event if you're up for it. Yeah. So uh, you'll be doing the voices of some. So, yeah, I thought I could perform as uh, city council if you would be uh, willing to perform as me. I will, but I will be doing you as Bane. Oh, brilliant. Okay. That's how I was feeling. So that's <laughs> um, Yeah. So these are, these are my tweets from that portion of the council meeting. Uh, so I'm like transcribing what council, some of what councillors are saying. And then there are my comments, which you'll be performing, that I was also including in my uh, stream of tweets from this meeting. So um, I don't know, this, this, this skit doesn't really have a, uh, a title. Does it need one even? It doesn't. Okay. All right. So I'll start <clears throat> and I'll, I'll say the name of who I am. I'm not going to try to do um, voices. Councillor Stevens, would it be in the spirit of the report to review requirements for all parking lots? What? I I want to propose an amendment. Oh, please don't. That we remove uh, temporary from the focus and we would do a larger review that considers all parking, contributions to the downtown deferred revenue account, landscaping, and how they fit the blah, blah, blah. The spirit here is to maintain our position on temporary lots. Hawkins. This is a whole new motion, not an amendment. Mayor Masters. By coincidence, we received a briefing note. I followed up with Downtown Business Improvement District. I'm hesitant to make these decisions without Regina Downtown Business Improvement District input. We have a transit master plan coming in the summer. I wonder if there's a possibility to table and get the things we're uh, we're asking for about beautification, charges. I don't know what the RDBID wants in relation to development downtown. Councillor Stevens, I could uh, put a referral motion. But if that's going through the RDBID, that's not a city-led process anymore. Mayor Masters, I don't want to use city resources until we have the transit master plan. Oh, f*** this. Kill this report, please. Just kill it. Oh, for f*** sake. Rules of procedure are supposed to make meetings comprehensible and useful. I thought Masters was all up on governance. But this has gone completely off the frickin' rails. You vote down a frickin' report if you don't support it and make a frickin' motion and submit a notice of motion and then talk about that? Why is this not happening? Stevens is trying to layer on solar panels, electric vehicle charging, a whole bunch of stuff in the cooker, quote-unquote. This is a report about temporary surface parking lots. I can't even follow what's going on. Councillor Bresciani. If RDBID discusses the parking and beautification, is this part of vibrancy? We talked about the Winter City motion. Oh my God, Winter City strategy. Is this like the all-dressed motion? Is council trolling me now? Hey, how about the spring flower planting program? Can you fit that in too? How about the downtown toilet issue? So, we started with a report on temporary downtown surface parking lot report that seems to have morphed into a review of the downtown plan's objectives. 
Isn't that right, Batman? And scene. And scene. So, yeah, that's how things ended. Uh, Counselor Hawkins' wonderful speech was completely wasted. And <laughs> Counselor Stevens, right after that, managed to pass a tabling motion that uh, sent this report back to administration to wait for response from the downtown business improvement district and for our transportation master plan. So we can review and temporary surface parking lot report again in Q3. You know, I am, I am a fan of Councillor Stevens. Uh, I, I, I like him on a personal level and as a counselor, but I'm not sure what he was thinking there. Okay. Yep. And uh, yeah, that actually passed unanimously. So I don't know what people were thinking. Uh, like I say, this should have just died or I wanted it to die. And <laughs> alas, it did not. So we're going to have to go through this all over again in the fall. I'm sorry to say. Anyways, yeah, so that was the last council meeting uh, of the two items that I was the most interested in. And uh, yeah, there's another city meetings this week and then there's more council meeting uh, next week because that's the world we live in now. The Queen City Improvement Bureau would like to acknowledge the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District for their support of our show. The Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Improving the district where there are warehouses in Regina. That gold, that content with Bluey and everything, that's that's gone. <laughs> that's all gone. We're oh, just... man, that, that was gold. That was gold, Power Paul. Into, power into overtime, too. So. Okay, all well, right, let's, let's, we're, let's officially, we're officially recording now. We have uh, Brad Bells, the director of transit, with us uh, on the record now. Hi, guys. How are you tonight? Good. How are you? Really good. Sorry about the screw up. Um, I'm going to keep all of this in, by the way, in the show. <laughs> so they want. So there's going to be a, a screw up that is alluded to, but never explained. Is that, yeah. is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we're going to come out of commercial and go directly into this. <laughs> Brad, you're doing a transit master plan, and it's distinct from the investment plan from a few from like a decade ago. Yeah, so basically we're, we're, we're doing a comprehensive review of, of our transit system and our paratransit system. We're really going to look at uh, all the aspects that we uh, uh, provide to our customers, and that includes everything that you can imagine. So everything from feedback we want to know on our routes, our reliability, our services, our buses, our types of buses, um, our infrastructure as well, um, accessibility, um, sustainability, and even we want to talk about the downtown corridor as well. Right. So we we could be seeing like a, a radical re-envisioning of the way uh, routes and scheduling works, for instance. It's a possibility, but again, I, we like to think that what we provide is doing is doing a, a good job right now for our customers. But at the same time, we want to hear from our customers that ride. They want we want to hear, you know. How's it going out there? And at the same time, is there an opportunity for us to improve it for them? And, and again, it's not just the experience from A to B, but it's, it's you know, shelters and wait times and reliability and, and all, all that stuff related as well. So we want to hear from our, our customers for sure. Have you, I know that you are conducting a survey online right now. Yeah, so we have a three-week open period. And have, so again, the Transit Master Plan a big part of it is is the public engagement part of it. So we, we want to hear from folks. So we have a three-week opportunity to have our customers, well, not just the customers, I'll back up. Uh, not only do I want to hear from the customers, I also want to hear from people that don't use transit. I want to know um, how can we, what's the barriers that they don't use transit or at the same time, how can we get more transit riders, which equals less cars on the roads for the people that are using the cars. We want to hear from them as well. So, uh, I, I, again, we, we just want to hear from everybody uh, on the topic. So, have you uh, have you done any consultation with stakeholders already? Like, have you do you have an idea of what people are saying yet? No, I haven't seen any details of what they're saying. Uh, but we have so we so two things. So um, again, this the survey is open for three weeks and it closes on February twenty third on the Tuesday. And at the same time, we're engaging with 150 stakeholders that we have identified that we think are key to transit operations. So we're, we're conducting workshops, um, extra um, 
you know, investigations and workshops to find out from those uh, key stakeholders are really what drives transit and how we can make it better for them in, in different aspects. And, and again, uh, we're hoping that happens over the over, uh, over this week as well. So, typically, when we see uh, consultations for master plans like this in the past, you get people into a basement and you do you know you do the the yellow sticky tabs that people stick on boards. I'm assuming there's not going to be a lot of that. Like, how is it conducting this uh, consultation virtually? Yeah. Yeah, basically, we've we've followed the pattern of the pandemic. And basically, most of our, our workshops are all virtual. If there's some people that can't uh, do it virtually, or they they can't really fill out a survey, we'll still pick up a phone or, or try to meet somewhere that we can following the, the guidelines that are, that are in front of us. But we're getting their feedback while we can. So whatever way we can do it, we'll, we'll take it. But yeah, most of it is virtual in, in smaller groups. So we, again, we we want to make sure um, we're hearing from everybody. We don't have large groups that, you know, someone monopolizes the, 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 the mic for the day. And at the same time, we've hired a consultant to help us with this so that, you know, it's not just transit people doing the workshops and getting the feedback and then maybe throwing out some ideas that we don't want to hear about. We're, we're just uh, letting them run the, the workshops and making sure people can really give, you know, positive, negative, whatever feedback we can on transit. So... And so far, it's been good. I heard the sessions are well attended and, and we're getting lots. We have actually have over 1,200 surveys returned in the first and a half. Our consultant again said, you know, it'd be nice to get five to 700 as the minimum. So if we're at 1,200, I'm sure we'll be around 1,500 when we're done. And I think that that'll be good feedback and we'll see some patterns of information there. Um, I have a question. Um, as, as, you are, as you no doubt know, uh, the city of Regina has, you know, made a commitment towards moving toward uh, carbon neutrality uh, and sustainability in the future. Uh, I was wondering when, we, when you're looking at the transit master plan, where does that fit in? Uh, because I mean, transportation and transit is, of course, an energy-intensive endeavor. Yeah, so so part of it as well will be the sustainability and, and our assets themselves. So we'll we'll really look at alternative fuels. There's you know two or three options out there other than just diesel. So we're going to look at that as well. And again, having the consultant that looks at best practices from other municipalities in Canada and North America, they're going to give us some good uh, options for um, th- that type of alternative fuels, and especially in our environment, like this cold winters that we need we need buses to be able to run at minus 40s and plus 30 so we proved that last week so again you know but that's part of the 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 transit master plan and just to note the transit master plan is is going to be a 25-year plan so it's going to have opportunities and and um, recommendations not only short-term but obviously right up to long-term for 25 years do you have um like what kind of, I think one of the things that people would want to see and want to know about are, you know, things that will happen quickly that will impact their lives right away. Do you have a sense of the kind of things that you'll be looking at in the, like the really short term, the like one to five years, things that could, could get done fairly, fairly fast? Um, yeah, I, I think if they're if they're easy and and again not a lot of cost, I think we'll do those. Again, really, what's going to happen with the transit master plan is it'll be a city document that will go through, and they'll have us endorse the budgets to get even short term investments to our transit system. So, yeah, it could be something as small as you know. Maybe folks want more shelters, something, you know, something small like that, and, and maybe uh, do it that versus building a BRT, a, a bus rapid transit like Saskatoon's talking about. So, again, you could have some small uh, investments that have to go through. Everything has to go through budget and through council. But, um, again, some will be short term and some will definitely be long term. Okay, well, you've been a transit guy for a really long time. So let's say budget's not a concern. What do you want? Like, what would be your dream thing? Is it like gold-plated bus for the director of transit? <laughs> um, better seats? Like, uh, what would you want to see if you? Had- I, I think what I hear the what I hear the most from from transit customers is the frequency. Just that if you had more money, you would add more frequency. So again, I, I think people are happy with our buses and and our service and the safety side. 
Um, again, but again, it's sometimes when, you know, you have night service only running at 30 minutes or, or weekend service running at an hour, they would like to see more buses more often. So that's the frequency that I talk about. So again, um, again, and I'll mention later on about on demand. So yeah, sorry. But anyways, uh, yeah. So I think that's the number one item that, that people would really be after is frequency. Online, there is, there's discussion amongst uh, transit fans. Some will say on one hand that to really get that critical mass of transit users, you need to have uh, a frequency of 10-minute buses, like especially for your main routes. The bus has to come every 10 minutes, and then people stop worrying about uh, you know, waiting for the next bus and worrying about schedules and stuff. Uh, the other side of the argument is that uh, you have to like radically drop your transit fares, like down to zero, uh, some of them argue. And then you'll hit that critical mass and then you'll see the frequency has to catch up. Where do you fall? Are you like a low fares guy or a frequency guy? Yeah, you know, you're right. There's a there's a continuum of, of those two aspects. And, and again, at the same time, I also say we're a social provider versus, you know, trying to uh, return on investment for uh, the taxpayers as well. So again, I think we're somewhere in the middle. Like I'll tell you that right now we're, we're only, we only, we only bring in around 35 to 38% of our uh, revenues back and put into the service. So most of it's subsidized through taxpayers. So there's that part of it to start with. So um, you do need the fares if you're going to subsidize that 37%. So um, I, I've seen other models work in other uh, Canadian municipalities that, you know, if maybe you reduce the fare or get rid of the fare at certain times to promote transit, you know, maybe uh, nights and weekends, that, that might be the first step forward. But uh, some, some, some agencies are talking about totally removing the fare and just let everybody ride for free. And, and therefore you, know, you would get mass transit. So I, I do think there's gotta be some charge, but I, I can get the concept. And I think we're going to see lots of that uh, feedback in the, in the survey of what we should do with our fares. Uh, you just mentioned the on-demand transit. So there's a, I guess it's piloting right now. How's that going over? Yeah. So I wanted to mention that as well in the survey, because like right now we talk about two services. We talk about the regular transit or conventional transit versus paratransit. Um, but with on-demand is on, so on-demand, first of all, is basically Uber for transit. So instead of having a fixed route running on a schedule, um, uh, passengers and customers can ask for a bus to show up at a bus stop and take them to any area in, in the city, no different than like an Uber um, but but really with on-demand, you can maybe have an opportunity to, to, to mesh the two services and the two branches together and, and have your paratransit buses run with conventional transit buses and serve a, a bigger dynamic and a bigger customer base. The pilot that we did so far uh, in the from September to December, it went it went not too bad, but it, it, it wasn't the best time to do it during the pandemic. But we did see uh, good results that, you know, we didn't lose our customer base and, and the people that used it were really happy with it. They really, what we did though, is we only did roughly 25% of the city. So it was in the Northwest corner up to the North end of the corner of the city. Really people would say, well, why not open it up to the entire city on certain timeframes? So again, it may be opportunities for us to be on nights or on weekends. And I think, uh, We'll hear some of that as well through the transit master plan. I haven't tried the on-demand transit. When I was in university, they had on-demand transit for um, like their last couple of buses, like their late night buses. Uh, but it was, you caught the bus at a central node and then it would, you told them where you were going and they would map a route sort of yep. as they went. Is it the same kind of thing? Or do you have like somebody going from location to location? Do you have like multiple people on the bus at a time here or? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, so it's multiple people on the bus and, but the only problem right now, or not the problem, the, the only constraint we have is we're only a quarter of the city. So we basically run from the downtown area all the way up to uh, Dieppe and then up to Northgate mall. So that's basically the quadrant. So again, if you live in that area, uh, you definitely can, you know, like if you were downtown, you could, it would drive you directly to your spots inside that quadrant and if not, we would take you to a key location that you would transfer and then take a, a regular bus to 
your final destination. But yeah, I, I, again, we wanted to pilot a something small. We didn't know how big it would get right off the bat. But I, I so far, the, the data has been really good for us. And I think it's something that, uh, you know, maybe change our, our the way we deliver on our service in the future. And I've heard that uh, Regina Transit used to work on an on-demand model. Yeah, I believe it did work way back in the 70s or so that it was called the Telebus bus service. And again, it was Dial-A-Bus and the same kind of concept. So, But at least right now we are using an app. So we've gotten at least with the, the current time. So people still can, we go from stop to stop, but people can request a bus uh, currently right, out, right up to right now, or they could advance book it just like a, a Uber trip. And so, yeah, it is a little bit the exact same model back from almost 30 I guess almost 40 years ago. Yeah. Right. So you're saying that if I wanted to call into dial a bus, like, like I can't, can't use my rotary phone anymore. I have to use the app. Actually, Paul, we would still satisfy your, your, your demand. So we, we do maybe if there is some people that uh, don't have a smartphone or for some reason can't book a bus, we still have them phone into our, our centralized phone number and you can still book uh, the, our on-demand bus in right now. So you still can do it. Okay, good. I don't have to get rid of my phone. Um, so we're I'm on- just going to use my fax machine. I'm just going to fax for a bus. Okay. You might be our first guy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're on 91.3 FM CJTR Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community, and we're speaking with uh, Brad Bells, the Director of Transit. Uh, how about paratransit? Um, that has been an object of discussion for a while now at uh, City Council. A lot of calls to increase the number of uh, paratransit buses. That, though, it's run by a, um, it's subcontracted, isn't it? Yeah, it's still run by us. So uh, the, the dispatchers are still City of Regina employees, and we dispatch the, the trips out. But we found that it was best for us to outsource the the driver portion of the contract. So we outsourced that. Um, and we found that we get one of the best returns on investment in Canada with that model. So we, we've, we're, our return rate on that is almost 10 or 11%, where most Canadian municipalities are around 5 or 6% on return investment. So, uh, yeah, so again, this is part of the survey, and we're asking uh, all of our customers of – uh, you know, when you use paratransit, what's what's good with it and what are the improvements that we need to hear from you as well? So, no, I've heard like uh, a lot of the feedback that's been coming into council meetings is like over the last like five years or so, the paratransit has dramatically improved. Yeah, I, I would say it's it's improved and our ridership is definitely up and our service hours are definitely up. So we, we were uh, again, there was some concerns about, you know, just getting everybody to certain locations at certain times. Obviously, it's, it's just like anything that there's peaks uh, to the system. Uh, we found over the last couple of years, we've also uh, are, have been hiring taxis to help us for individual trips. So again, if someone's in a maybe a farther uh, outskirts of the cities and it, it would take us more time and to get that bus out and, and, and realign our system, we would just out offer that customer a taxi service. So it's the same cost for them. They would still pay their transit fee. We would sub- subsidize the rest of them, pay for the transit fare, uh, the taxi fare. And we found that that was a big benefit for us that we could get more uh, customers on our system. One other item uh, in taking the survey that I noticed was there were a couple of questions around the idea of a regional transit system that uh, provided transit to, uh, say, like White City, uh, you know, like some of the... Edenwald and so on. Pilot Butte. Uh, How seriously are you guys considering that, or are you just fishing for info on that? Well, again, uh, we want to hear from the public, and we want to hear from everybody on that. And and again, if it's a 25-year plan, we do have to look at regional transit. So, uh, you know, in 25 years, the city could be way out to white cities and pilot buttes and everywhere else, right? So we're starting to ask those questions now, uh, but maybe the feedback will be, hey, really master Regina first before you start getting into regional transit. And again, we know that if we got into regional transit, we would have to talk to those uh, little uh, centers as well to how we would marry the two systems together. But we're asking the question because it's out there and it's out there in other communities as well. Like you see it, you see it in Calgary's and Edmonton with all their subdivisions that they service as well. So we're asking the question while we can. And we have lost the STC. So we're, we're missing that, uh, that network to these communities right now. 
Um, also, has there been any, like, have you received any feedback from those communities? Like, have they reached out to you? Because I do understand there is a bit of an issue where, um, you know, like in say like White City, they have uh, shopping amenities, but a lot of the staff who work those shopping amenities don't actually live there. They live in Regina. Like, has there been a push to, you know, provide service for those employees to get out there? Um, I wouldn't say so much a push. It might be a, a small nudge, uh, but we have had some talks with some of these uh, small communities over the last couple of years. It's really never taken off. And again, it just comes down to the dollars and cents between uh, both, uh, you know, municipal governments, if you say. But again, we've had some talks with them. So, but again, it never it's never taken off over the last couple of years. I think uh, like, the last thing that I wanted to ask you about, because it actually came up at the last council meeting, is this notion of a transit hub downtown. And uh, there's, uh, like, personally, as a transit user, I've never been bothered by where it is right now, just because I'm not driving there. And so it, it's really convenient for me. But I know that there's been a lot of disgruntlement with where it is. It's on 11th, right? Is there is there any like like where else are you considering? And one of the places that was mentioned at this last council meeting was what is currently a parking lot at Lorne and Eleventh uh, Avenue. There, the uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's a big surface parking lot. Like, do you guys have like a list of dream spots for where to put a transit hub? And does that is that one of them? I, again, if you back to that money question, I don't know if. There is a big dream spot. That is a nice location. It's, it's, you know, it's not really big enough when you really need to get 12 or 15 buses all together in a spot. It does look like a big spot that Lauren and, and 11th, but it's really not that big right now. But again, we are asking that question as well during the survey. We want to know, you know, should we be on 11th and should we have a hub? We want to know from both sides of that because, you know, I've heard, I've heard pros and cons to it. I've heard from lots of transit users. They really like 11th Avenue and they like the flow of it and, you know, and how all the buses uh, meet there and transfers are easier, but we're going to, we're going to ask those questions right now. Maybe we should move the transfer point somewhere else. Maybe. And, and again, the hub could be anywhere. The hub could be in the downtown core between all the, the major streets, Albert and Broad and Vic and Sask, or, or we can move it somewhere else and then, have uh, just the buses circulate through the downtown. So again, that's why we've hired a consultant as well. They'll, they'll look for best practices in North America and they'll look at, at, you know, how our cities designed and how maybe those best practices can be uh, used in our city. Actually, there is, there is one thing I wanted to ask. Um, and it's, it's sort of about the relationship between Regina and public transit. Now I've lived in, in several places around the world. As says Paul. And I often find that there's kind of an attitude about public transit in Regina that I don't see as much elsewhere. And it's, 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 a, it's a little bit negative. Um, uh, and not, not because of the service, but just because people are like, you're the bus. Um, just wondering uh, if you've ever encountered this in your, you know, in your work and what, what, you, what the city does to combat this, this attitude. I think my first observation about Regina is that we're a, we're a car city when it really comes down to it. it, it we're, mm. we're a small city when you really get down to it. And, and, you know, most of us that have been here forever that you can get around town in 20 minutes in a car, like you can get to university up to Northgate mall, pretty slick with a car compared to, when you really get into the big centers of, you know, even the Calgary's and Edmonton, it's not, nothing's 20 minutes there. Right. So I think that's our first uh, thought that again, why people aren't using transit, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to asterisk that though and tell you though, from 2016 to 2019, our ridership has grown 15%. And even from 18 to 19, it's grown 7%. So uh, we're starting to, uh, bring in more customers, and I think it's it's due to a lots of factors. You know, I think we think our buses are more accessible than ever. We think our fares are comparable. Our, our buses are safe, and our our buses are safe even during the pandemic. We you know we're making sure we got um, you know wearing our masks and and having sanitizers on the bus. And um, so to come back to your question, uh, yeah, it's it's hard to describe it other than than that first answer I gave you, but. I really just think that 
uh, people people that haven't used transit or have some concept that you know transit is not for them i think they just need to come and try it once again like i i think a lot of people really they either use it or they don't and people that are not using it they should come and try it the, the buses are clean and they get you they can get you very comparable on time especially when we established express routes over the last couple of years they I, i've watched the bus leave from downtown and be with a car beside me and I get to Northgate Mall at the exact same time as I'm still beside that car on the bus. So yeah. very comparable time. So I think the express buses help our community quite a bit. No, I remember when I took, I was downtown and I had to get to a movie at, at Norman View. And I thought, well, how can the bus get me there in, in a decent amount of time? And it turned out it just took me straight there immediately. I should see it. You know, no, thank, thanks for answering that. Um, so essentially just, Giving really good service is, is your is your answer. Yes. And yeah, fantastic. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks a lot for doing this. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Really yeah, no problem, guys. Thanks. Thanks. I think we're pretty much out of time, though. All right. Well, I, shall, I, shall I close the meeting and sing us out? Oh, if you would. I would love that. Okay. Well, motion, well, motion to adjourn? I second the singing us out motion. All right. You have been listening. That's it. That's all the thing I'm going to do. You have been listening to 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio, Tune the Community, the Queen City Improvement Bureau, hosted by Paul Shen and Aiden Morgan, music by Guidewire, a.k.a. Ryan Hill. Uh, you can find us on uh, cgtr.ca on 91.3 FM, obviously. Also on Queen City, uh, com and on Twitter at uh, Queen City IV. Remember, that stands for Improvement Bureau, not Irritable Bowel. Uh, we are broadcast live 7 to 8 Thursday evenings and Monday afternoons 3 to 4 p.m. rebroadcast. Coming up next, we've got the Nerd Court Cabaret with Matty V followed by the cockpit, and it's music all on through the night. That's it. Keep on improving, Regina. <laughs>